Did you know that both male and female managers are twice as likely to hire men over women? And we may not even understand that that sort of um, inherent bias in our hiring practices. Women are literally almost twice as likely to be hired if you you create blind applications. So if on the application, you're not including the name, you're not including the gender, you're not including a photograph, women are 25 to 45% more likely to be hired. Welcome to the Manage Self Lead Others Leadership Podcast with Nina Sunday for experienced and aspiring people managers. This show will help you explore ways to become a more intentional leader. Each episode, host Nina Sunday speaks with some of the brightest business minds on the planet who share a passion to elevate and transform team culture. Workplace culture hides in plain sight. Is yours flourishing? Join the movement to make your workplace a better place to work. Are you ready? Because it's time to manage self, lead others. Linda Fisk is an award-winning keynote speaker, best-selling author, university professor and CEO of Leadership Global, a community of unstoppable women enhancing their leadership blueprint and embracing their power to be the best version of themselves in work and life. With a PhD and MA in clinical psychology, Linda Fisk has written extensively on the subjects of social comparison, depression and anxiety, well-being, personality theory, with a focus on relating scientific research to commonly understood concepts. Currently, Linda is interested in the psychology of influence, persuasion and negotiation. Today, we'll discuss breaking the glass ceiling. Welcome, Linda Fisk. You have the Leadership Global. You help women rise up through the ranks. And today's topic is breaking the glass ceiling. So where would you like to start? Maybe not everyone is familiar with the term glass ceiling. So maybe we start by defining that. And when I refer to the glass ceiling, I'm pertaining to any kind of upper level workforce opportunity, any kind of advancement opportunity that is not accessible to the vast majority of women, minorities, or any community within the workplace that has been uh, devalued or disregarded or in any way not given equal opportunity. So the glass ceiling is a metaphor for very evident, but often kind of intangible uh, impediments, obstacles, roadblocks that prevent women and many uh, different kinds of minority groups from achieving the kind of elevated professional success that they may be capable of. And in the United States, women make up 50.8%, so just over half of the population of the labor force. So women are more than half of the civil labor force, but we are staggeringly absent from upper level positions in the American workforce. And that is a form of experiencing a glass ceiling. So I got to tell you, there is a long history of women's roles in the American workforce and the workforce all over the world between wars and social movements and political climates. Women have been active socially, politically, and in the workforce for generations. But I tell you, 
very little progress has been made in the way of gender equality in the workplace. So of course, as the founder and CEO of Lead Hership Global, that's what I am trying to change. We help ensure that women get access to the resources, the tools, the learning, the connections, the networks, the financing, and the media opportunities to advance their uh, success, whatever that looks like, whether that's stepping into a C-suite position or it's writing their first book or it's standing on a TEDx stage, however they define success, we want to help them accelerate that vision and actually see those dreams manifest. Okay. So what, what are the, some of the mistakes that people are making that keep them out of breaking through this glass ceiling? Well, I will tell you the very first recommendation I would make, Nina, is to raise your sensitivity to this. Did you know that both male and female managers are twice as likely to hire men over women? And we may not even understand that, that sort of um, inherent bias in our hiring practices. Women are literally almost twice as likely to be hired if you you create blind applications. So if on the application, you're not including the name, you're not including the gender, you're not including a photograph, women are 25 to 45% more likely to be hired. So we have to be aware of our implicit and explicit biases, and we have to guard against that through things like blind applications. And in fact, I would say in most companies, we're not even aware of the double standard against female candidates. In fact, get this, at companies where 90% of the leadership is comprised of men, so 90% of leaders are men, half of the men at the company view women as being incredibly well-represented at the highest levels. So get that. They don't even recognize that there's a problem. At companies the where fact that they see one less, or two, they go, women are here. Yeah, exactly. With less than 10% of all leaders being represented by women, the company still says, oh, we're doing a great job. We have two women that are vice presidents, senior vice presidents, executive vice presidents. So therefore, you know, we have 10% of women being so represented. We're doing well. That's and tokenism. I that they, that's it. So I, I will tell you, men are much more likely to achieve, achieve managerial roles, um, and they are much more likely to be able to rise into senior leadership levels. So uh, with just 10% of leadership in the workplace being represented by women, I think we all have to raise our sensitivity to the implicit and explicit biases that we may be operating from. So what can well, we'll 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 focus on on women for this episode, but we're including anybody with any Absolutely. reason that they could be disadvantaged by virtue of their their ethnic name, because their name. Uh, I was That's just right. reading lately that if your name isn't uh, uh, the same as the culture you're applying for, you might be sort of singled out. Research has shown that yes. diversity matters because it brings that broad collection of experiences, perspectives, backgrounds, viewpoints that actually lead to better decision-making ultimately. So 
optimizing senior leadership positions, boardroom decisions uh, made through gender diversity, through racial diversity, through uh, lifestyle diversity should be a critical goal for every organization, especially when you consider the kind of highly complex and risky world that we're all living in right now. Mm. It's so important to have a diversity of thought, a diversity of experiences, a diversity of perspectives that lead to better decision making. Are there any specific ad- uh, advice or tips you can give for how people can? act and behave and what they say in the workforce, that maybe uh, being a little bit more assertive or not accepting uh, second best, but doing it in a way that doesn't switch off the person you're trying to educate. Are there any little tips and tactics like that you can give us some secrets? Absolutely. So, you know, I think that oftentimes we are blind to our own biases, we don't even recognize the biases that we operate under. So the very first thing that I would say is certainly raise your sensitivity to that, right? Understand the glass ceilings that you may be uh, creating in your own company. Talk about that. I've talked about conducting blind screenings, but I think that developing regular bias and stereotype training can be really helpful too. And in those trainings, we often learn about um, being able to ask questions out of a sense of curiosity, being able to admit when we don't know something. So if someone is wearing a really interesting headdress and you recognize that it must have some sort of significance, but you really don't understand it's absolutely okay to say, I really don't know, but I'm curious. I would love to learn more about what your headdress symbolizes. Or I see that you wear a burqa. I'm really not well-educated in what that um, symbolizes and what that means, but I'm really interested in learning. Can you help me better understand what that means in your cultural reference? And so I think having a a sense of curiosity and a sense of respect for the differences among people is a great place to start. Because when people recognize that you're curious and you're being very respectful, recognizing their differences, respecting their differences, and trying to deepen your own understanding of those differences, I think that can lead to wonderful dialogue, wonderful opportunities for learning and for a deepening of Uh, not just understanding, but really um, respect for the differences that we all have. And I think that that's how we all learn to work together and to respect each other and to really honor the differences between us. So being able to be a part of regular bias and stereotype training, where you're encouraged to have a very safe environment where you can ask questions, you can learn, you can grow together is incredibly helpful. And I know that in a lot of workplaces, for those groups that may feel uh, marginalized, they may feel um, somehow not heard, they may feel like they don't have a voice, it can be helpful to have an ERG in your workplace, an employee uh, group that comes together of like-minded leaders where they can voice concerns, they can voice issues, they can learn and grow together. So you may see companies uh, adopt a women's ERG or perhaps a- Sorry, what um, does ERG stand for? Employee 
What's the R? Uh, relationship? Uh, yes, it's an employee relationship group. And right. that employee relationship group is really all about creating an opportunity for that group to have a voice, have a voice to management, and also recognize others that are like them and perhaps going through the same challenges and struggles that they may be. So it could be that you have a Latino ERG or a women's ERG or an Asian American ERG. And that way you are pulling together people that have similar backgrounds or have similar life experiences or maybe experiencing the same challenges. Yes. And you have an opportunity to raise those issues, raise those challenges and problem solve together to listen to them uh, as a group of valued and honored and respected employees that are contributing to the workforce. But together they can raise their voice and they can voice any concerns. So that can be really powerful as well. You know, I, I hear exactly what you're saying, Linda, because I look back, I worked in television. I was not a member of any group and there were groups. There was women in television, WIT, uh, uh, a few other groups like that, but I was not a group joiner. But when I became self-employed, suddenly I was joining the Australian Institute of Training Development, Women in Management, uh, and I got a lot of support by doing that. And then, of course, I eventually joined Professional Speakers Australia and was a past president. I have found joining uh, industry groups one of the most beneficial uh, 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 behaviours I could have done. And, of course, that's how we met because we're both members of the c That's Network. right. And so that's I've been a member of that now for two and a half years, and that's been that really got me through COVID, let me tell you, because of all the Zoom meetings and the, the yes. support that we all gave each other. So I really, you're absolutely spot on with form an, if you're in a large organisation, form an ERG group so that, you know, you've got that sort of cohort of support. But yes. in the wider community, there are, there are chambers of commerce. There are all sorts of uh, meetup groups that that can really, industry groups that can really support, even if it's an interest group. I know before I started this podcast, I was lurking in a meetup group for podcasters for about 18 months because I wasn't game to get started. Anyway, finally, when COVID hit, I went, oh, I'm starting right now. <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. And, you know, I think that you bring up such a good point, Nina, that, you know, um, that industries change and times change. And if you really do feel as though you are in a work environment that perhaps is under incredible financial pressure right now, and perhaps you're in an environment that has experienced a lot of layoffs and there's, there's just an incredible sense of pressure and stress in that work environment, then often we find that issues connected to diversity, equity, and inclusion begin to wane but it is so important that as an employee that you recognize that you have protections. There are anti-discrimination and sexual harassment policies that are enforced federally across just about every country in the world. So you do have protections. If your company is changing and evolving and they're, they're dealing with incredible financial pressures or macroeconomic issues, and you find that their commitment to issues of diversity, equity, inclusion are starting to fade, then just know that 
you have protections. It's important that you know the anti-discrimination laws. It's important that you understand your rights um, and that if you feel like you are the, the victim of any kind of sexual harassment or any kind of uh, victimization, discrimination, that you do have recourse. And I think that that's really important to know too, is that it's it's appropriate to raise your concerns to your managers. It's appropriate to protect yourself and and understand uh, that there are opportunities for mitigation, for raising your voice, for raising concerns and issues. But if you really feel like your company is not listening, not taking needed action, you are protected federally and in the United States across most states to ensure that you are not working in a hostile environment. And, and I feel like that's just so important. And it, uh, it, I would say it's very similar in Australia because we've got uh, Safe Work Australia, which looks after the workplace bullying and discrimination across the entire country. But then every state has its own uh, entity as well because uh, there are slightly slight differences in, in state laws. And, of course, depending on which country you're listening from around the world, uh, hopefully there is some legislation of protection. So... Uh, it's 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 about i think it's also about how you approach it too because sometimes asking for a one-on-one conversation with your immediate supervisor is it could be a starting point so that you don't some people are a little bit shy to stand up in a meeting and and announce you know is this discrimination there's a softly softly approach uh at the same time, if you're not getting satisfaction, you may need to go sideways. Uh, and and maybe maybe your immediate supervisor is blocking. So you may have to find, well, we call it a mentor. If it's a large organization, you can find a mentor from from another department that is not supi- above your immediate superior, but is more sideways. That's in fact what I was doing. Uh, I was in a television station just through um inter-office collaboration, I found someone that I could uh, operate as a mentor and he was safe in the sense that he wasn't vertically up the chain but sideways. And here's the thing, you get access to the grapevine when you start thinking beyond, oh, I'll just send my written application for a job, my CV. Sometimes jobs are selected by they already know who they want. So you want to actually be part of that grapevine. That's right. I mean, in every single um, workplace environment, even if you are an entrepreneur and you're the leader of that workplace environment, it's so important that you create a base of support, that you have a fan base of people that are going to support you, that are going to cheer you on, that are going to be your advocates and your champions and your allies. Whether you're running your own business as an entrepreneur or you're part of a larger corporate structure, it's so important to network and develop relationships outside of your perhaps direct line of responsibility. So your direct supervisor and those that report to you, Mm. it's so important to create vertical relationships and create relationships even outside your company. And I believe that that creates a phenomenal safety net for you because the more people that are aware of your skill, your talent, your dedication, your achievements, your accomplishments, how others respect you and how they rely on you, how you are a dependable and respectful leader, the more likely they will consider you 
for those jobs that are not advertised, those jobs where they're just simply going to tap someone on the shoulder and offer them an phenomenal opportunity to accelerate their success, those jobs are often not advertised. It's based on networking. It's based on who you know. So expanding your network and really being able to promote your successes in in an appropriate way gives you a sense of a safety net where others may not have that. And I will say that this idea of a glass ceiling is not restricted to a corporate environment. It's also true for entrepreneurs. In fact, women entrepreneurs are not receiving the financial support from investors or VCs that they really need to get their businesses off the ground. So even as an an entrepreneur, even if you were to step out of the corporate environment, that doesn't mean that your glass ceiling is over. What that means is that you're going to face other obstacles, other roadblocks that you need to work through. And I will tell you, there is a growing body of research, including a recent Columbia Business School study that found that female-led enterprises, female-led ventures, businesses, they're 63% less likely to receive venture capital funding. Think about that. Now, that's in spite of the fact that when female-led ventures, female-led businesses do receive funding, they are just as likely to achieve phenomenal outcomes, incredible exits through IPOs and acquisitions equal to men. So with so many capable, trustworthy business women in the world, I think it's vital for society as a whole to ensure that women get an equal chance to do great things, whether that's in a corporate structure or as an entrepreneur, stepping out and creating your own enterprise. Now, if if there are any um, young college graduates listening right now, I'm sort of aiming this question a little bit at them, but how important is to have a, a LinkedIn profile in terms of uh, professional opportunities and, and uh, impression that it creates to other people? Oh, LinkedIn is absolutely fundamental at this point. And it is so important that you understand how to navigate LinkedIn, how to access LinkedIn, how to leverage that as a the incredibly powerful tool it can be to create a network, to create those really elusive connections with people that you aspire to be like, perhaps people you want to go work with or for. So having an incredibly robust and reliable network of extraordinary leaders is absolutely step one. That is how you become known. That's how you raise your profile, you extend your influence, and you create those really important and sometimes elusive relationships. Now, I will say that um, that doesn't mean that all problems will be resolved. I mean, not at all. Because as I noted, whether you work within a corporate structure or you work as an entrepreneur, you still may run into obstacles, roadblocks, um, un, you know, perhaps implicit or explicit biases, unknown um, sort of gating factors that may slow you down. But I will tell you that, you know, women have started nearly 2,000 new businesses every single day last year, and 64% of business uh, women owned businesses were started by women of color last year. And get this, Latina women-owned businesses grew more by more than 87%. 
So there is opportunity. There is phenomenal opportunity. But we have also got to recognize that that doesn't mean this is going to be an easy road. You're going to have to navigate through everything from getting equal access to capital to getting equal access to corporate board positions and getting equal access to those kind of career boosting opportunities. And uh, there's, there would be women that where their, their children are still at school, uh, their husband is relying on them uh, to, to, to put dinner on the table. But do you, do you think it's possible that you could educate your family that one night a month you're going to be going out to this group because it's important for your uh, your professional growth. Uh, do you think w- women need to find the courage to break break from the family net, if you like? It's like, oh, I'm not allowed to leave really because they rely on me. But surely one night a month you could join a professional group and just get out there. I love that recommendation, Nina. I think that's so smart. And I think that, you know, especially in a two-income household, there has to be some sort of sharing of duties and responsibilities. And part of your duty, part of your responsibility is creating pivotal relationships, those big relationships that can be transformative to your career, to your business. And that is part of your responsibility as a business owner, as a business leader, as a business executive. You have got to cultivate those big relationships, those big opportunities. And that's part of your responsibility. So I think if, especially if you have a two, um, two working parents that are raising children, there's got to be a discussion, a very open discussion about how you're going to divide and conquer, what that's going to look like and how to strike that balance. And so it may be that one of the two really wants to kind of stay home. They may not really be as interested in joining that networking event every Thursday evening. The other partner may be really interested in developing those kinds of relationships. So we think that some of this depends on the partnerships, some of this depends on the individuals, and some of this also depends on the collaboration and the coordination of the effort that 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 pairing decides that they want to undertake but i will say to your point networking is a responsibility developing those pivotal relationships is a responsibility if you want your business to thrive and if you want to be considered for those big opportunities and of course these days it's not just about going local and uh, being face to face COVID has taught us that we can actually do a lot of networking online. And of course, Lead Hership Global exactly offers offers that opportunity. Tell us a bit about how Leadership Global may be a good networking opportunity for the people that are listening to this podcast. Thank you so much. So I will tell you that Lead Hership Global was founded to ensure that women have equal access to the resources, the tools the opportunities, the relationships, the networks, and sometimes the financing or the media opportunities that they need to accelerate their success. So we're trying to open as many doors as we possibly can for women in leadership, whether your leadership is in a corporate structure or if it's stepping into your own entrepreneurial journey. um, We really want to ensure that women all over the world feel like they have a safe environment to ask the big questions to get unbiased, objective advice and guidance about what to do with the big opportunities, and that they have a community surrounding them that are going to lift them up, that are going to support them and help them, cheer them on, and offer them 
objective counsel mm -hmm. about how to navigate through what can be very choppy waters, whether you work in a corporate setting or you've decided to step out and create your own multi-million dollar multinational business. Either way, women need a safe place to be able to ask those questions and know that they are going to receive very transparent, honest, and transformative insight, support, help, and they're going to receive the kind of resources that they need to take that step forward. And um, we'll put the uh, URL in the show notes, but give us the uh, the web address for Leadership Global, please. Absolutely. It's it's just like it sounds, leadhershipglobal.com. So Easy. HTTPS, leadhershipglobal.com. Lovely. And um, if they visit the site, what sort of events will they see? I mean, I think I'm I'm down to uh, be delivering a little thing on uh, persuasive written communication down down the track. Yes. But, uh, so coming right up, we have a really phenomenal opportunity to to listen and learn from one of the world's foremost speakers. Uh, Stephen Shedletsky about building a speak up culture, which is exactly what we've been talking about, Nina. It's about creating a speak up culture that allows leaders to hear what they may not see in terms of their culture. As the Andy Stanley quote goes, leaders who don't listen will eventually be surrounded by people who have nothing to say. And that silence is dangerous. Oh, yes. So, Bad decisions so, get made when people don't say what they think. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And poor leadership behaviors result in a toxic culture, lackluster performance for that business. And cultures of silence lead to missed opportunities, failures, and sometimes even disaster. So one of the first uh, upcoming events that we're going to be promoting is Stephen Shedletsky talking about how senior leaders need to really listen and open up a very safe environment for their employees to tell them what's working, what's not. Because <coughs> the more removed that the leader becomes uh, from the day-to-day -day operations, the more removed they can get from the truth. So we want to provide an opportunity for leaders to think about whether or not they have created a speak up culture. You know, 22 years ago, I was brave enough to have a consultant come in that included doing a 360 degree feedback. But I, in those days, I was not in the habit of doing regular one-on-ones. I had team meetings, but not one-on-ones, which I've subsequently learned is really important. And he told me what they told him that they weren't game to tell me. And I go, Hmm, I have to fix that by having more one-on-ones because they he then became their ear and that all the stuff they wanted to tell me, but I, I didn't create the opportunity. So uh, it's so important. Such uh, an incredible leadership lesson, right, okay. for you, Nina. And that's really what Stephen is going to be speaking about. Yeah. We also have the Conscious Leadership Roundtable every single month. We have Wealth Mastery for Women where we talk about all the issues of financial management, wealth mastery as a woman. We have a diversity, equity, and inclusion roundtable that's run every single month. And this next month, we'll be talking about neurodiversity in the workplace and oh. what that looks like. 
which will be fantastic. It's going to be led by one of our members, Kushbu Chabria. Um, and Kushbu is a neurodiversity advocate and expert. So she'll be talking to us about that. And then we have Unboxing Growth to stay out front. That whole roundtable is all about marketing and sales uh, hacks to be able to provide incredible opportunities for growth and, and scale for your business. We have the Business Ozers Roundtable. We have the Refer and Recommend Exchange and more and more and more. There's so much. Uh, everybody listening, get on board, join Leadership Global. And of course, is it only women that can join? We have opportunities for men to serve as allies, sponsors, uh, champions. We invite men to speak, to teach, to train. But as a member, we are trying to create a safe environment for women to be able to work together. And so the membership is reserved for women. But men are certainly welcome to join any of our public events and to serve as teachers, coaches, experts, uh, allies, sponsors for the women. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Linda, and for the deep dive into breaking the glass ceiling. And I hope it's inspired uh, whoever is listening that might need uh, a little bit of uh, a little bit of uh, support in in terms of their professional development. So thank you very much once again, Linda. It's been a real honor. Thank you, Nina. What a pleasure to be on your podcast. <laughs> thank you. This episode, we've been speaking with Linda Fisk, CEO of Leadership Global, on the Manage Self, Lead Others podcast for people managers. I'm your host, Nina Sunday. And remember to subscribe so you capture uh, the latest episode as soon as it drops. And uh, we have conversations with people who share insights on how to elevate and transform your own professional development as well as team culture. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I love to hear uh, hear your thoughts on the different episodes that you've been listening to. Thank you for listening. And until next time, bye for now. Nina Sunday is on a mission to help leaders transform culture. To book Nina Sunday CSP to speak at your conference, visit ninasunday.com to request a proposal. Nina travels from Brisbane, Australia for in-person presentations Australia-wide. Twice certified virtual presenter, Nina Sunday presents virtually, globally, for any time zone. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.